Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech podcast, a roundtable discussion with leading WordPress tech experts. Here's your hosts, Jonathan Denwood and Andrew Palmer. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show this week in WordPress and Tech. This is episode 670. Got a great panel, got some great stories. We're, we're going to start off with the case for shared CSS in toolkits and WordPress. And then we're going to be talking about virtual worlds. Um, it's going to be a fantastic show. I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Let's start with ladies. Let's start with Heather. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself to the drive? Yes. Hi, I'm Heather Wild-Renzi. I'm the CTO of The Difference, and I am the author of Birth of a Unicorn. Great. Got my friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself? John from Lockdown SEO. Great. Got my friend, Spencer Forum. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, it's Spence from WPLaunchify.com. He's having a quick lunch. Or I always eat on the show. I'm like the Brad Pitt of uh, shows, not looking-wise, but when he's in the movies, he's always doing this. Yeah, that's right. It's always munching. And I've got the only Andrew Palmer. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, the one and only uh, from Bertha.ai, WordPress plugin to help you write copywriting stuff with AI. And it's great. It's great. It's fantastic. And uh, there we go. Um, Before we go into the meat and potatoes of this show, we've got a great message from our main sponsor. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you are just prey at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. We're coming back. Um, Castos is offering a great special offer to the tribe. Plus, um, if you go to this specific page, there's some other great offers and some great recommendations around WordPress plugins and services. How to get that? Basically, you go to WPTonic slash recommendations and you'll be able to see it all in its magnificence tribe. So um, let's go straight into the stories. Let's start off with the case for a shared CSS toolkit in WordPress. Spencer liked this one, so I'm going to let Spencer start off. What did you like about this particular story, Spencer? Well, you know, Justin is one of my favorites in general. He's been around forever, but this is like how he used to publish. So anytime he puts stuff in the tavern that is functionally about WordPress instead of as many of his recent articles are just talking about another block theme. Um for God knows how long we've been talking about, wouldn't it be cool if we could all just agree there was a framework of CSS, amongst other things, that anybody who builds stuff for WordPress core themes or plugins could use so that we don't have 80,000 different versions of CSS? Because I'm a little technical here, but just in layman's terms, anybody who doesn't write CSS, 
There needs to be, in order to avoid the Tower of Babel, one language that everybody speaks, and then you can go ahead and add your slang on top of it, right? Like, we all can have a different word for a hot dog or a, a soda pop or something. But if you understood the core word, at least you could communicate and not have to reinvent things. Well, in WordPress, there is no such thing, even though in all other worlds there have been frameworks and Bootstrap and so forth have made that clear, that it really works. So this proposal was somebody saying, like, here's an idea. We can have a standardized design token and CSS library, and here's a proposal. And I'm like, yes, please, let's do that. And almost all the comments, unusually, are in favor of this, with a few exceptions being snarky, like, well, please, anything but bootstrap, but yes, otherwise. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Why are we talking about 5,000 unique themes instead of one canvas theme? Why are we talking about letting people build stuff for the block library, not using the standard language as a starting point? Because if we don't get it now, we're never going to be able to put that genie back in the bottle. And that's it. I'm done. You're done, are you? Right. What do you reckon, John? What do you reckon about this one? Yeah, a standardized CSS um, would be good for themes, especially when you're talking about themes in the, uh, in the repository. Um, if you see in the comment section people talking about the uh, font sizes, there's a lively discussion going on there. But uh, having naming conventions to where um, different sizes are standardized, uh, different spacings and uh, tokens are standardized, they'll make it like more quicker um, to develop these block themes that... Um, Automatic is is wanting people to develop, so I think a good idea. Yeah, I think so, Heather. I think I think this is a good idea, and you know, just kind of um, how to put it, Heather, just making it more regular that you know what you're getting from a WordPress, what a WordPress theme or whatever it's going to turn into and standardization that was the word I was struggling for ever the more things can be standardized um standard, the better what do you recommend standardized yeah it's very standard. standardized. um uh yeah no the I agree with this um however I mean I thought that was what they were trying to do by making it more bootstrap uh so because bootstrap has its own css vocabulary as well um and I think a lot of the theme designers um, are are using the the general. <laughs> I'm one of those annoying people that, like, when I'm whenever I'm trying to update anything with WordPress, I use the additional CSS customization and then like do everything with an important tag um, while I'm editing it until yes, that's just like yep. Oh, um, I'll, I'll forgive you, Heather. Battle of the of the exclamation points is what it's called. My yeah, I am. I have two of them instead of one. I win. And then somebody puts three and four, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, but then, I mean, like, that's how I, I update uh, everything until, like, I know that that's it. And then I create my own uh, file. <laughs> it's like, that's my new style sheet uh, once I've gotten it. But because, I mean, it is. It's trying to find, like, I mean, you go with inspect. You try and figure out what this theme developer did or what what was written in there. So, I mean, it would be good if we had a vocabulary. But, I mean... To some extent, there it already exists, and it's bootstrap. <laughs> so why don't they just adopt one that already is there? Yes, what do you reckon, oh, 
What's well, Bootstrap is uh, having been, you know, being having developed Bertha. Actually, we we developed Bertha on Bootstrap in the initial days, and uh, kind of knowing that it would bite us in the ass, and it did. So we had to rename everything because Bootstrap oh. adds its own twenty bits of that and twenty bits of that and spacing, and so you know our Bootstrap was conflicting with actual WordPress, and it was changing the fonts and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Now maybe that's us, and we, you know we made a mistake, but we have, we basically now. Our, our Bertha is now 99.9% devoid of bootstrap. But I get it. I get that we need standardization. Um, you know, if you look at the Divi theme, I think there's, I think almost every single Divi theme CSS is important. So even when you try and overwrite their CSS, you're writing important, important. You know, it's just, I mean, how many importance have you got? So it's tough to, to, you know, really, I just think all theme developers need to take out important so that we can at least override them with our own. Um, and, and the reason, by the way, for that, for the non-technical listeners, is because there's a thing called priority. So sure. it's like last person out of the building, turn off the lights. Well, the original theme does one thing. They flip the light off. Then somebody comes along and adds in a plugin or something, and they put the light on. So the next person has to go switch it off. And then you keep having to move up the priority list with using things like important or whatever. And it's like that spray paint graffiti metaphor of the admin dashboard and the plugins from last week's show, where it's like, it's a constant cat and mouse game of which plugin was the last one to flip the light switch. And every time you use it on a different website, you get a different result. It's madness because all of this is simply solved by having a core structure, a core language, and just say, use this language unless there's a fire. In which case, there's exceptions. Well, but then still... The point uh, the guys made on font sizing was, uh, the, you know, what is large? What spacing, is Spacing, font is, sizes, is. padding. You, you have one website, another with the same stuff, but one well-intentioned plugin author put in, oh, the H2 heading tag should have 40 pixels of space. And, and the client's like, what's wrong with my website? And then you have to go into the inspector and it's like... <laughs> Ridiculous waste of time. And why is it that like 16 point is different than 16 px? And it's yeah. like, or, yeah, or when... rams versus m versus <laughs> pixels versus right. pi and all this kind of stuff. That, but, but points is points actually. I'm going to make my point here, coming from the print industry and starting off as a typesetter, is points were points and pikers were typesetting. So therefore, you know, and we all bastardize something, you know, so when WordPress was made or websites were made or code, the thing, right, well, you, should we use points, pikers, M's or v, the v, VH or pixels or 100% or percentages or whatever? Or, or so, even CSS rules like we talked about last week. Remember, there was an article about using gap versus yeah. padding or, or margin. It's like, again, people don't get it if you don't do CSS, but when you use it, you realize how simple this problem could be to solve because by having all the options under the sun and CSS has evolved so nicely in the last 10 years, it's wild card time, like random stuff happens. And since we're at the point where now we're reinventing the block editor and the blocks and the themes with it, it's like we get a do-over for free if we act like adults here. Because all the mistakes of the past can be flushed away. Well, it is, a, it is a point where you're totally right, Spencer. Things could be cleaned up. I think, I think the consensus is that we all agree that there should be a standardized version of CSS, just like yeah. there's a standardized version of PHP and 
JavaScript and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and just to, before we go on to the next story, I think what you were pointing out, Andrew, about the history, you know, some of the key terminology came from the print industry. I don't think that that's how, like radio, like podcasting, it, its language kind of comes from radio. Mm. Um, so it's not unusual for a, a new technology to utilise the, lang- the language from a previous technology that's kind of got linkage to it. So I think you were spot on there, Andrew. So there we are. So um, let's go on to the next story. Meta prototypes let you build virtual worlds by describing them. I'm going to let Heather comment. So Heather, it looks like one of the plays, you know, Facebook and the great leader of it are putting a ton of money, hiring people left, right and centre. And they've got this language engine, um, which he demoed. Um, This seems to be one of their big plays. You know, he seems to be putting all the cards in. I don't know what the poker metaphor is, but it's um, this seems to be the play. What do you reckon, Heather? So I don't know if you've seen the video of this, um, if you watched it in in the article, but basically what it is, is um, Mark Zuckerberg in his uh, oh so emotive voice is is walking around in VR, um, pointing at things and describing like, let us uh, like imagine a world in VR uh, where we can literally imagine a world in vr and it's suddenly yeah, I, can, I can imagine a world for him yeah. <laughs> and um he, he's like okay well let's like build some fluffy clouds and and they're there and uh now let's let's imagine a tree and suddenly it's there and um and and they just point at things and it shows up and what's what's kind of funny is like in the background while they're talking um you can hear somebody on the computer plugging it in so I don't like, I mean, I was just like, wait a second, like they're, they're demoing this, but it's obviously not real. And, and my, my husband and I were watching this video and he's like awed by it. And I can hear somebody typing and like hitting the button to plug it in while they're doing it. So anyway, I mean, if you take it as, as like the demo and not Wizard of Oz of like what they're doing, um, I think it'll be cool that, that like someday you can just like voice command talk and and like a world will be built in vr um we are definitely not there yet um but but it'll be cool i mean it, i have i do a lot of stuff in vr like we we do a lot of stuff in vr for my company there's like a vr headset like literally behind me i didn't realize it was in the screen um and one of the most annoying things is that like if you're trying to do something uh with your computer while in VR, if you're trying to type, if you're trying to like actually get a lot of stuff done, um, you generally have to take off the headset type. And there's only one software system that that makes it useful to be in VR at the same time and get real work done. So this will be, this is a good idea of the future, but we're not there yet. Before I pass it over to the other panel members, I just want to put ask you this. Um, what do you think Facebook stands a chance? I know they've got their that he's put in a ton of money, but he's got some real, real competition. You know, by the room by going by the rumors, Apple are going to be um, issuing 
at one of their events there. They've got some real hardware. Looks like Google are re-entering this area. They, you know, they, they're up, and Microsoft are going to make a play. They got, they're up against some real competition here. Do you think they stand any chance? Absolutely. It's the same competition they've been up against forever. You know, so it's not a it's not a big deal. And they'll they'll be swapping and changing staff and people will be going to Microsoft and then they'll go to Facebook and then they'll go to Apple and all this kind of stuff because they'll be it's all about money, isn't it? So I didn't know you I didn't know you changed sex, Andrew. There you go. So Heather, what did you uh, um, what did you oh no, there you go. So what do you reckon? Do you think they do stand a chance? Some people say I think, I mean, I think don't count them out. However, I think Microsoft is very much more uh, a, I mean, I think this is where Microsoft is going to shine again um, because they have a, a history of being able to do this, not only as a hardware manufacturer, but as a software manufacturer and a game company. Like they have all of the components needed and they have the trust of, Xbox. yeah. Like they they have the trust of the consumer and of enterprise, um, so like the they have the trust of Wall Street, um, and uh, Facebook just doesn't. Meta doesn't. No. So, what do you reckon, Spencer? I'm going to um, piggyback on with Heather and say prediction: Microsoft is the consumer level lead into this space. They have all the right tools. They have all the right hardware. Xbox is so pervasive because of Fortnite and otherwise, as to not be believed. Like seven days a week, I'm dealing with Xbox-related issues in this household, and there's nobody with a, a child or a teenager or a young adult that doesn't know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to add on to what Heather said by saying, we're going to see another deal between Apple and Microsoft for Xbox-compatible eyewear slash iPhone extension. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, wouldn't it be cool if you had your ridiculous $1,400 can't-get-away-from-it new phone that allowed the guts to stay here, but now I just have like a little, little lightweight thing, so I'm not, as I do now, wearing this box on my head. I've got something much lighter, and that's where Apple could do a joint venture or something that's compatible with Xbox for the hardware only, but you know they'll get their hooks into the software and the subscription part of it, and it'll be weird because we live in a world of paradoxes, but that's where I see it going. I absolutely 100% predict a backlash against everything Zuckerberg and Meta because they become a farce of themselves. And in relation to that, one other thing that Heather related to, I have tried wearing the, the Oculus Rift 2 for lots of things, and it's awesome. But you're sitting there and trying to be in there for more than a length of time. And even with the virtual keyboard or the virtual mouse, there is this constant problem. I need to use my hands. I need to interact with the outside world. And I just feel that the problem is not ever going to be solved with any device that locks you into that screen. It's going to be yeah. solved when you've got some lightweight, yeah. like I, I have flight simulators and stuff. Like I need to interact with my flight simulator real controls, but like I have to choose either in the head or outside of the head. And that's not going to ever work. It has to be like sensory input. And so that's where this, I think somebody sexier like Apple is going to fix that problem. So Andrew, you differ, don't you? I, sense, I do. Uh, you, I, I sense I... that you think Facebook still, you fancy Mark and Facebook being able to pull this off to some extent. <laughs> 
I do, and and but I'm not steering clear of the um, the power of Apple and and Microsoft. You know, they are proliferate, whatever the word is, in the consumer front-facing consumer. But so are Facebook. And if Facebook make it easier, and as Spencer says, if they have lighter wearables to make it more of a an easier thing to do, and I think they've gone down the road. You know, I've worn my Facebook glasses, you know, a couple of times, but I think they've gone down the road of that, teaming up with Ray-Ban to give it a bit of style. Um, I think they, and Google, Google Glass, that'll come back and heads up displays as you're walking along, that'll, that'll all be there. And I think as soon as that happens, everyone stands a good chance. Yeah, we've got the Xbox. Yes, we've got, you know, whatever there is out there. But I think Facebook stands as much chance as anyone else. They've got, they've got so much money, these people. They can just throw money at it, can't they? Yeah. So, John... The, one of the problems with this is people are saying, yeah, Mark's gone off, uh, I don't know what, what skunk um, centre he's disappeared to, um, but um, people are saying, this is great, all the cool people in Facebook have gone off with Mark, but the thing that makes the money is just being left dormant, you know, the focus, the cash cow, as Andrew pointed out, is... There's nobody around anymore. Um, are there consequences about this? And would you agree with what I just said, John? Well, I mean, Oculus is cool. Um, the metaverse is, it's not going to be this this thing that happens in the way that they're wanting it to happen. It's not going to be that popular. Because uh, Facebook is just, it's 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 already reached its peak. It's already on its way down. It's a place where boomers hang out. It's a place where, uh, you know, the metaverse, you you see what regular Facebook is, and it's it's a toned-down version of Nextdoor. You have all these conspiracy theories and and things like that, and I don't want to see that stuff in virtual reality, and like a lot of other people don't, too. Um, So I think metaverses or VR universes as an idea, I think those will continue to advance. I just don't think that Facebook is going to get the uh, the traction that they want to with theirs. That's a quick question to you, Heather. How much do you rate Mark Zuckerberg, or do you think he was highly influenced by Peter Thiel? Peter had a lot of influence about the success of um, Facebook. Well, how much do you rate Mark Zetterberg? It's so hard. I, 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 uh, I mean, I think no, I that don't. he's, um, I think that he is a smart uh, person and very driven um, and, and definitely has the, the type of vision. I mean, like he, he knows how to hire people around him that are, are smart and that fill in the gaps that he doesn't. Have. I mean, so um, as a leader, uh, I think that uh, he has all the qualities that are needed to run the type of company that he, he does. I'm very surprised. I'm, I'm constantly surprised that he's managed to keep hold of, of the company as long as he has. Yeah. Um, but I think part of that is because um, all of the people around him know um, that he's willing to um, take advice from others. So, so yeah, we recently they kind of split it into a free into 
you've got the president, I forgot her name, and then they've um, increased the power that um, Nick Clegg, um, so they're in a f- kind of, I was going to say a freeze and a triad, triad, is it? Uh, mm. um, but, you know, my feelings towards Nick Clegg, I'm not going to say on this podcast because I've just going to rant and upset Andrew. <laughs> but, Nick, no, the idea that, that Nick Clegg will have increased influence in Facebook, I think I just shudder because what he did to the Liberal Party... If he does that to Facebook, good luck to him. What, what, what did you, what did you think of that announcement that the power's going to be spread into a kind of these kind of free buckets kind of? I think I think that's good. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it it shouldn't be all in one person. But what? Did, yeah, right. I think we leave it. At that. I, I just need to make a correction. Yeah, sure. Because, you know, Nick Clegg made one mistake. To, to bug well, Russia. Born, born, you no, mean. He became Deputy Prime Minister and then took a step back on uh, promising to pay off student loans. That ruined the, the Liberal Party. But another point on that is Thiel, Mr Thiel is right-wing, yeah? And then just before we, we're announcing that a Liberal person, proven Liberal person, is to, to have equal standing with Mark Zuckerberg, Thiel resigns. And I forgot to mention that last time we talked about. You might be right there. I don't, but yeah. I don't really see Nick Clegg as a as a liberal type of individual, though. But there we go. Oh, that's debatable. Despite I've grown up with him in my in my political life, so you know, or he's been in my in my sphere because I live in this country day in day out. And <laughs> you know, when he was deputy prime minister, you could see that he was he was trying to do his liberal liberal best, but he just couldn't because he was a you know he was he was a minor, you know. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it done and and ruined his political career by backtracking on student loans. That was it. Mm. There we go. Uh, um, We're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the Power WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding. Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Alamator or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. I'm Bertha, an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. In just a few clicks, you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert from blog posts to landing pages to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on Bertha.ai. See you soon. We're coming back. We've had some great stories. I just want to point out if you want to receive a newsletter um, in your inbox with all the recommendations that the try that the panel recommends, plus a, a, a editorial from me where I can I am unrestrained from the panel's control. 
Um, if you want to get that weekly, you need to sign up for the newsletter. And you do that, folks, by going to WPTonic slash newsletter and then sign up. Um, I would want that newsletter, folks, but there we go. That's me. So uh, um, on to story three. It's time to deprecate WordPress multi-site once and for all. What do you reckon about this one, Andrew? I don't care. I've never used <laughs> never used multi-site. Can't stand it when I've used it. And if it goes, it goes. There's other solutions out there. You can you can basically use um, a constant for a multi-site replacement and lots of um, hosts are now kind of saying, right, you know, we'll build you, we've got this and then we'll just build it on into another container. So I, I've never used it. I can't stand it. I mean, I've, I've tried to use it, but just no, I, I really don't care. I'm glad if it does go, but I think it was clickbaity. It was a bit clickbaity. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will go. It's been very useful to, to lots of people and lots of people have built their own, their little businesses on it, which is fantastic. But, I don't use it, and I won't use it. Simple as that. So, Spencer, I couldn't disagree with our article more strongly than this one, and I agree with Andrew. Obviously, it was written, and it's clickbaity. But the whole article, literally every major sentiment in it, I told, it is the unloved child of WordPress. But if ever a project needed like what Buddy Boss did with um, what they've managed to do, if ever there was a opportunity for a company to take it over and give it some love, I must say it's this part of WordPress. What do you think, Spencer? <laughs> um, when I have to explain to people who want to do multiple business websites whether or why they would use multi-site, there's only two use cases. That's it. And that's because we have now we now live in a world where it is a piece of cake through a multitude of methods, including um, we, we have a client, Vicus, who has something called this instant WP. But there's a million different ways to do this. You push a button, you spin off a clone of a WordPress site. People don't often understand that if you do a multi-site, you're making a deal with the devil because it's one database for all the sites. And even though it's slightly lighter because you're only installing one set of the plugins, that is offset by all of the reasons that he said, which is, you know, all these settings and and incompatibilities that just permeate. So two business uses. One, do you have a franchisee, or sorry, franchisor, franchisee scenario? Like you're literally Hertz rental car and you want to make websites for all your offices. And it's just that simple because bing, bing, bing. Number two which has kind of gone away now, but I use it even in my case for launch flows. You want to run demos where you really want to control the environment and you don't want to just hand over a whole website because there are still a few things that multi-site does that are slightly faster. However, as of I sit here today, again, I'm referring to Vicus's thing, but there's other companies like that. I, in most cases, other than that one launch flows instance, would rather just give somebody a spinoff of the original site and it has a a time delay before it self-destructs because that's infinitely better, infinitely easier, even better for the client. Like at at WP Fusion, we just give them whole websites and it just self-destructs because then they can put their plugins, they have a private thing. So I agree, quite frankly, that this is a, a tool for carving wagon wheels out of wood that there's still a few people with wagons and horses, but for the majority of people, 
it would be just fine if it goes away because I don't see that it's solving the pain that exists with other options available today. So, um, John, I don't totally agree with Spencer surprise to surprise because I think there's a third definite um, case reason for this to still exist, and that's WordPress as a service. Um, basically, this um, hybrid, which I'm really fascinated, which I feel Castos, one of the major sponsors of this show, and Craig, who's coming back on the show next month to join us, is I think he's done a fabulous job of um, a hybrid SaaS WordPress combination. I personally feel that's one of the most interesting areas of where I focus around that. And I think that multi-site has a key element of that, but it's totally unloved. What, how would you react to what I've just said, John? Um, <clears throat> from the discussion that I saw on uh, Twitter regarding this article, I think a lot of people disagreed with the overall sentiment, but I do think that it makes some valid points about improving multi-site and uh, putting you know, some development time into it. Uh, I think where people disagreed is with the the idea that multi-site should be retired or deprecated entirely because a lot of people came forward and said that, you know, some of their biggest clients are using it for like an intranet or, you know, whatever the case is. I, I think a lot of government um, agencies that use WordPress, they, they, use the multi-site feature. So um, one thing I will say too, I, I, I think there is uh, somebody came forward too and said that um, there is a lot of dogpiling on this article. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there are a couple of valid points in here uh, as far as that, but I don't see multi-site going away or the need no. for it. Well, yeah. funny enough, my other business is really based on it. It's a key part of my right. technology stack. So um, I, I found it a crappy article myself, but that's just my opinion. Um, what I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to the next story, Heather, and I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna drop story four because Samantha uh, Stephanie kind of pushed that, and she's not part of the panel. I really want to go on to story five and get. Heather's response to this and then go on to our recommendations, if that's all right, panel. Um, so story five, Heather's Java, JavaScript survey. Um, most use React, but, ask, but satisfaction is low. Um, what was, it was an interesting thing. Why, got any, re, any insights why you think the satisfaction re react is low. If you would agree with what the survey's main title is pushing. So, okay. Basically, uh, people were surveyed as to, um, it, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with WordPress specifically. It's just what are the most common types of JavaScript languages that people use? And yeah, I'll I just want to quick, I'm not being rude, but the reason why I thought it was, it was linkage to WordPress is, you know, obviously, we, are, yeah. we know WordPress through the great leaders really hitched WordPress future to React, isn't it? You know, right. Do, you know. 
I just wanted to clarify for people that like it isn't like the, that this is the most that the things I'm about to say aren't because like this is the most common things used on WordPress. It's just this is a JavaScript uh, survey and that 23,000 developers were surveyed. And um, uh, so or sorry, uh, 16,000 developers were surveyed in 2021. So 93 percent of the respondents were male. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but um, the respondents basically were saying that uh, the most common uh, things that people use, the most common JavaScript languages that, that people use uh, are React, uh, which is number one, followed by Angular and then Vue. Um, and then uh, the number one thing that people are aware of are React. And then, um, however, that people are less interested in using React. So the title is that, like, people aren't interested in, like, the satisfaction is low about React because people aren't as interested in using React. And the reason I think for that is because React is old. Like, I mean, React isn't as, as new and exciting and is more stable than the other ones. Um, and as far as, like, For my developers, uh, they're all like, oh, yeah, I want to use Vue. I want to do everything in Gatsby. I want to do things in uh, whatever. And I'm like... They got the shiny silver ball syndrome bad, as all all hardcore developers tend to have, don't they? Yeah, I mean, so Angular is, like, old um, and mostly becoming deprecated now. So I understand why people, I mean, like, so, so most of the time you're using Angular, it's because the product was in Angular and now you're just maintaining it in Angular. So, um, that's, that's probably why people are using Angular. React is like a lot of things are using React. It's stable. It works. It's, it's being updated. Um, Vue is the new shiny and a lot of people want to use Vue. Um, and things like Gatsby and, and others uh, out there, um, they are, there's just so many other little flavors of, of JavaScript that like everybody just wants to try something. But I mean, if you're creating a product for clients that you want to be stable and continue to maintain for a long time, then I mean, like don't do something insanity, do it in React. And, and but I mean, it's boring and like, I mean, I have constant talks like when I'm hiring new developers and I'm like, do you want to do boring developer work that like means something and will keep you employed for a while? Or do you want to do something quick and dirty that like you're going to, your contract will be over in six months. So that's the difference. So Spencer, you know, obviously Morton, who used to be a regular mem- member of this panel and hopefully will come back next month to join us. Uh, um, is um, was a great opponent of view compared to React, and he um, tried to really push. Pro opponent that. or opponent? Oppo- I can't even talk today. I apologize. He's in favor, but against it. He was a big supporter of view, uh, um, and the decision was that the wagon wheel, the wagon was going to be hitched to React, wasn't it? The WordPress. Um, do you, on reflection, do you think that was the best decision? I always find metaphors. And so we could use us on the show here, or we could say like me in the dating world. I kind of view myself as more than Angular, closer to React, but I'm definitely not Vue. 
I'll leave that for the 25-year-olds. Um, there's something to be said for old and stable and really predictable and knows its way around. And we're coming from LAMP, L-A-M-P, Linux, Apache, uh, MySQL Server, and uh, whatever the other P is, I forgot. Um, but the point is PHP. The, the thing is that WordPress at its core is so good and so easy because everybody just used the thing that's been around forever. So let's address, first of all, what does all this mean to normal people? This means that you better get ready to either learn a new skill set or hire somebody because the days of us like making most of our stuff in PHP and CSS and HTML are unfortunately numbered. Whether you pick one or the other, I think you should probably learn Angular as a hobby and you should look to React and Vue as like, uh, I'm going to try a new restaurant with some things I've never eaten before because it'll give me a taste of what's out there, but I may not be visiting that restaurant very often because I may just cater my next party. And that's what I'm saying here is like the level of understanding for a normal WordPress business owner or even a freelancer, highly, highly doubt any of us will ever need to know React or Vue. Angular might be useful from a jQuery or a JavaScript perspective of understanding um, conceptually what's going on. Just like I have teenagers and sometimes I go with people that are younger than me and they know all the right swipes and moves on all the iPhone apps and I, I, I feel like my mother when I watch them do it. But then I go back to, yeah, but I watched Friends and Seinfeld when it was on TV the first time. Do you know what that is? So, you know, there you go. What do you reckon, John? What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't have a really strong opinion on it. I mean, obviously, WordPress is chosen React. I mean, um, you know, I, I had some projects where Angular was necessary. <laughs> I don't really have a super strong opinion on, you know, what's the best thing for this because different things are appropriate in different situations. Um, as long as it works, you know? So, but, but yeah, developers and especially like male developers, they kind of tend to, I think, um, flock to like whatever's new. Um, it's, it's just kind of a, a point of pride of yeah. knowing what the, what the newest. Well, it's, the, it's part of being, in, is, being yeah. the, in the cool game, isn't it? So, yeah. Andrew, yeah. Mm -hmm. so Andrew, when you were building Bertha, um, obviously building something really interesting, which you and your team have built. Um, did you have, you know, I don't know what technology stack was required to build Bertha. You know, was there any kind of discussion about which form of JavaScript was it always React? Or does it ever, was that no, part it's, of it's the ba discussion? It's a basic, no, it's basic user that uses uh, APIs and PHP, CSS, bit of JavaScript here and there, but nothing, I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of JavaScript in there, to be honest. But the, it's, the, it's the going down the SaaS route that you've got to think about. You know, Shopify, for instance, are, you know, moving towards React. There's a, that actually, that I can't remember a name, which has really annoyed me. She's a great Shopify developer, and she's, she's really specializing in React. Um, you know, plug, the plugins that they're building on Shopify are all React-based, but I think, make a little prediction here. I think people are going to start moving away from WordPress if they want to sassify their product, right? So they're, they're going to go over to Laravel, 
They're going to use Vue. They're going to use React, whatever. But Laravel is becoming very popular for SaaS because it's so adaptable and it's well known. You know, people, there's a lot of lot of devs out there that can do it. React is uh, you can get all all kinds of um, get get into all kinds of circles of despair with React when you're building out. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's a great when, term. Circles of. Well, when you're building a SaaS with React, it just goes round and round and round and round, and you're kind of trying to find your way around it. And also, you know, Laravel have got the you know there's there's lots of stuff that off the shelf with Laravel and React now. But but, but you know, let's let's that's stick a great to point. Um, I think you made a great point. About I, think, I think when I visited it, the UK, I've been to Circles of Despair. Isn't that just yeah. north of, it's north of Bath, I think, a little bit. Right? <laughs> well, you won't be surprised, Andrew and Spencer, quite a few people link that term with me, the Circle of Despair. Where's the Reno? Bud? It's Circles of Despair. It's the town just north of Reno. Yes, but he lives there. The Mr. Circle of Despair lives there, you know. You'd be surprised. So, Spencer, what do you think? I think Andrew's made a really great point about Lavelle. It's the kind of it's developed quite strongly, isn't it? And I think increasingly it's become a real strong player, isn't it? I think what we're talking about really. Is, let me use a metaphor outside of WordPress, but bring it into this. There was a point with machine code where there were people, people who could literally write machine code, binary mm. language, like 00110001, and they had, a, they had a thing that they would punch into paper with holes to program the computer. Now, just imagine... They were, they were the days. Okay, just, just imagine... I remember them so like, well. I remember them so clearly. Right, but just yeah. like, I mean, you know, you can watch these great movies about the Apollo mission and like just incredibly smart human beings. Imagine a situation... We're, we're referring to WordPress now. And the future of WordPress, you have to learn machine language and punch carding. 99% of us would just shut off and just take our passport to Circle of Despair and call it a day. So I'm saying there's now a new fork in the road, which is applicable to any of these esoteric languages. It is choose if you want to be a professional developer or not. Because just don't get on the train going to any of those languages otherwise. You know, read about it like a historical book or a biography, but just so you can talk the talk and then have a discussion with your developer while your eyes glows, glaze over. Because that's the future of WordPress. That's the future they've chosen. Instead, you can focus on being a marketer, business person, client-centric people person, and you just have to leave all the development going forward to a different category. And that is similar to the SaaS companies and so forth. Heather and Andrew both know there's no professional developers for SaaS companies that are talking about WordPress. Ha, ha, ha. They're, they're doing like full-blown, you know, give me a blank screen and I'll have it for you in 10 minutes kind of situation. I wish. I wish it was 10 well, In your case, Andrew, maybe 10 weeks. But the point is still, you know, it's like somebody knows what they're doing at the level that none of us are going to do sure. unless that's our career. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously there's a there's always that balance between the journalist and the kind of the, the true specialist, isn't it? And that kind of always moves, always a moving target, and it's always dependent on the type of clients and their budget. It's it's always moving. Just to finish, just to finish off, Spencer. But but what about Laval? Um, I've been. I just think it's really um, as a community in that, and as a as a technology, it's moved on quite impressively. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting to me is I have friends that do code for a living, right? And they speak at a level of knowledge and depth and opinions that I am impressed by, quite frankly. But then I would relate back to them, and this is the wearing a hat stuff. Having a, a marketer slash dev, um, business slash people person talk to a professional developer is like having two people that don't speak the same language at all. I, I, I see black, he sees white. I see up, he sees down. That's why you need a company that has those two specialties or more. Because especially even in a startup, there will be a moment where the idea for yourself or your customer will go beyond your capacity to be really good at both of those. WordPress started in that space when it was like, let's rub some sticks together. But I think this is the, the place where we're, we're moving into a different territory and we have to act like real, well, let's say, I don't know, real SaaS companies would. They're not going to have, Mark Zuckerberg isn't coding Facebook by himself and selling it anymore, right? No. And that's it. So you just finish your favor before we go into the recommendations. Did you really agree with the decision that Automatic and the grandees of WordPress made to really hitch WordPress to React, really? Or do you do you think in your heart that was really the brightest decision? Uh, I think it. Uh, I mean, I think it either was going to be React or Angular, and knowing that Angular is um, perennially on the chopping block um, for being, uh, yeah, then I think React was the right decision. Right. Right, fair enough. Um, off, on we go to our recommendations from the panel. Please put them in the Slack channel. Can you, panel? It really helps. And Uncle Spencer, can you organise that for us? It'd be much appreciated. Uh, um, so I'm going to start off. And I'm, if you're into Alamator and WP Tonic is when it comes to the, our my agency, um, this 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 dramatic tool for Alimator, it just it's just bonkers in what it can do and value. And it's dynamic con dynamic content for Alimator, dynamic dot double O. Um and just have a look at it if you're into Alimator and extending it, this plugin to say it's more than an add-on would be a slight understatement. So uh, just have a look at it. It'll be in the show notes. And if you sign up for the newsletter, it will be directly sent to you. So have Heather got any recommendation for the tribe? I do. Uh, my recommendation is an app called MimeStream. Um, for those of you that are on Macs and are using Gmail, um, this is a new app uh, designed by the former de uh, developer of the Apple Mail uh, product. Uh, so it is specifically to help you uh, move all of your Apple, uh, your Gmail tabs uh, into one beautifully designed app. All right. Make sure that's in, in the uh, Slack channel, Heather, please. Um, Spence, Uncle Spencer. Uh, I did a video over on WP Launch Club, it's free, that talks about a plugin that just came out called uh, WordPress Block Patterns or Control WordPress Block Patterns. And what it does is it fills the gap very nicely between the, oh, I hope it comes soon, templating capability for any theme. God forbid it's 5,000 of them. And the fact that right now there's things you make or copy-paste that you want to save and reuse as patterns. And it's just a brilliantly simple way. It's a custom post type. You just say, oh, I'd like to make a new 
you know, compilation of blocks and save it so I can reuse it. So it saves it and then it puts it right in your, you know, pattern library when you go to the Gutenberg block selector of choose one of the things I save. Bing, bam, boom. It's like having templates today. And with LaunchFlows, for example, we have a free pattern library. You copy it from LaunchFlows pattern library, save it in your library, ta-da. You can make a million different versions of anything in a second. So it brings the simplicity of what Gutenberg promises to the kind of uses that you normally have from Elementor or Divi or other things that already have, you know, use this template. So it's free. Check it out. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. John, John, have you got anything for the tribe? Yeah, uh, my recommendation is an article by Chima Memje called 2021, the year I learned audacity. And Chima is a very noteworthy uh, content strategist. And uh, this is some lessons. So if if you are uh, currently freelancing or, you know, trying to build a business around the web, there are some good uh, lessons here. So check it out. Well, make sure the link. Do you think she'd be a good guest for the interview show, John? I think she would be an excellent guest. Oh, I have to do my normal smooching outreach and try and get her on the show. Make sure, make sure she's make sure the link's in Slack, John. So, Andrew, the only Andrew Palmer. Have you got a recommendation got two, for the actually, tribe? I'm, oh, great! I'm the only. I've got two because people need to know about Laravel. You know, we're we're developing stuff in Laravel. Laravel.com. Just go there and that. But Rich Tabor, he of former GoDaddy and now uh, head of product at Extendify, who we all know well, you know, the uh, people that bought um, Munir Kamal's plugin and stuff like that, has brought out Wabi, W-A-B-I, Wabi, I don't know how he's saying I love the name, Wabi. Wabi, Wabi. And um, it's a WordPress block theme. And what, what Spencer was, was talking about, it's got its own little controls and it's just easy to use and Poodle Press did a great video on it. So have a look at uh, richtable.com forward slash Wabi, W-A-B-I, or just go to the WordPress repository, download it, have some fun. It's a, it's a foot, it's an FSE foot, so full site editing theme and it's brand new and it's lovely and it works and I've seen it. It's good. I've, I've played with it. Well, make sure the two links are in Slack. Andrew, that really They're in there. Sit. Oh, great. Thank you. Well, panel, I think we're going to close up a little bit early, three minutes early rather than 15 minutes late. Uh, I think we've kept, um, you've kept me under control. Um, before we go, I just want to dedicate this podcast to the people of Ukraine. I have some freelancers that work for me. I've made it clear they've got my total support in the struggle of the people of Ukraine for their freedom um, or it's easy for me to say folks but all I can say to you is just resist arm yourself and resist um, and give everything you've got um, you, you're fighting for your liberty and for your children um, I think personally it's disgraceful that Britain, America and other European countries won't will not and won't come to the assistance of Ukraine. We've been down this path before, um, dealing with a dictator. Um, we know where this leads. Um, we need to confront this monster. I'll see you next week, folks. See you nice soon. Bye. All right, see you. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.